Can't have that in there. Oh, well. Can't have names. Okay, so tell me Shout about this uh, part of a horse that you bought. Well, the first one, I told you about the first one like a year ago that I bought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one got something called the Wobbles. And immediately, like three months after I had gotten him, had not, it, he just got put out to pasture because they like, can't. Like, no, 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 no. They send pictures every now and again of him, like, out. I'm sure it's him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's him. <laughs> but, uh, so first one got the wobbles, and luckily they hadn't used a lot of the money from the shares for different things, mm-hmm. and there was an insurance payout on it. Yeah. So I got everything back from that, and was like, well, fuck it, I'll, I'll invest again, and ended up getting into another one that races on the the Southern California circuit. Okay, like the what is Santa Clarita and all Santa that. Anita, Santa. Um, whatever they raced in for the first part of Seabiscuit. Yeah, because that's where he that. raced was the and whatever Jim Rome talks about his fucking horse. <laughs> but since it's down in Southern California, like if you buy the shares mm-hmm. and you fly down and go to the races, like they let you back into the paddock and you get to meet the horse. So and do everybody. they when they take you back to their horse? Are they like this is your part of the horse? Like and they just point to a section. <laughs> they tend to. Yeah, <laughs> they just take a, like a white marker and they just draw on the horse. Be like, this is your section. This is well, the part of the horse you own. I was thinking if I bought enough of it and they did let us do that, like mm-hmm. maybe I could take like a historically high stencil and like see if I could paint it on his back. Why don't they do that, I wonder? I imagine Peter probably wouldn't be too pumped up about painting horses. No, no horses. they don't even do it on like, for the most part, they don't even do it on the saddle, do they? Like, cause Man, they, there's they not have... enough room. Do they do it on the robes they wear out pre-race? Because I always envision those being just like a different color, like a solid color, yeah. very simple design. Is it something about like the class of the sport doesn't allow them to to put something on the actual like horse itself? I think it's just because it's a just a strictly a rich person sport. Okay, like it, they probably they already have enough money. They yeah. don't need sponsorship because the guys that own horses are so like proud of themselves that each one of them has their own set of silks. Yeah. So like what the jockey wears, the uh, saddle and everything, it's all that exact same design. Should we invest in like a historically high horse? I think it would be great. I would love to own a horse. It seems like so much fun. The guy that just won the Belmont, the, he grew up in one of the boroughs in New York, not the one we're talking about Mm -hmm. today. Did but, you just segue? <laughs> no, not yet. Okay. I, I'm dipping my toe <laughs> okay. in. But he grew up in one of the boroughs and ended up going to the Belmont racetrack with like his grandma and everything. Mm-hmm. And that's where he grew up. And then he invented vitamin water and became a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Are you describing 50 Cent? He worked with him. I think they might have come out of the same part of New okay. York. But he ended up buying these into this stable and his horses finished one and two at the Belmont right in front of him this year. Yeah. Last week. So pretty sweet deal to be on your home track where you grew up poor and then ended up getting to see your horses finish one, two in the Belmont. That's just when you have fuck you money. Yeah. When you're just like, I have so much money. Like what if you got rich, what would a horse on the priority list fall under? To me, that seems like something 
It comes like after you've traveled and seen every country, you've bought all the toys and everything like that. And after you've bought enough cars and boats and whatever, you're like, what can I buy that's alive? <laughs> I, you I, get so rich that you're just dipping your toe into slavery. You're like, I don't think of, I don't think <laughs> I want to experience actual, be an actual slave owner. But you're like, what can I own that's alive, but that works for me? I have dumb rich person goals though. I, 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 that's the thing is I don't think it would be very low on the list. Like I think it would be right in there. If I had enough money, <coughs> one of my thought processes that I've gone through a lot is I want to travel the world and go to like Hawaii mm-hmm. and like cut a pineapple right out of the field mm-hmm. or like go down to Florida and like pull an orange off the tree mm-hmm. like go to texas and like watch them shoot the cow and then like cut a section out of the cow for a do, steak do you have this weird rich person goal of just going around the world doing what would be considered menial labor no not so much all, menial you, labor you want to do all the cool traditional things that you think of when that but i want like the freshest of the fresh gotcha like something because you always hear like seafood and shit. i want to go catch my own tuna and then eat a steak right there on the boat yeah i want to see anything that you can have that's like the best the freshest like i don't think wine really works Mm because aged wine's usually better but i bet it's probably pretty sweet coming on or out of the vat yeah like olive oil that was just freshly pressed Mm -hmm. whatever france does besides quit (laughs) they do wine (laughs) okay (laughs) i need cheese I think they're pretty good. Yeah, baguettes. Like how they're great good, would that they're, be? They're good. Fan, they're a good fancy snack country. Well, and like a baguette that's straight out of like a famous French bakery, mm-hmm. or like cheese that just comes out of the aging room, or something like that. Yeah, that seems like it would be a lot of fun if you were just stupid rich. Would you use any of that money <coughs> to essentially front a secret underground? gay bar (laughs) I I know that's very specific yeah it it does seem like an oddly specific question um I'm not really that. It sounds like something that the mob would have done, but it does sound like something the mob, just, like back in like what, like the '60s, early yeah. '70s. It sounds like something the mob would have done. Well, guess what, Adam? The mob did do that. What? Yes, <sighs> I fell for it. It's it called the Stonewall Inn, and uh, <laughs> the worst part of that is you set that up, and I immediately started thinking about it before I realized what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it was a serious question for a second. You're like I mean, I'd like to open a bar. Would I make it gay, <laughs> gay exclusive, or yes. would everyone just be allowed in my bar? That sounds like the funnest time ever. I know it does. I don't. Uh, there were yeah. Well, <coughs> we're talking about the Stonewall Rebellion. We'll get into a little bit of that, but just uh, on the surface, the fact that. There were, like, underground gay bars. Bars must have been so much worse back then. Well, like... The fun level just doesn't seem like it would have been there as much. Yeah. And so, kind of looking into this and that documentary we watched about it that went back and... It was more, like, I liked that one because it didn't just focus on Stonewall. It gave you a lot of, like, context. Yeah. About about all the discrimination, just the shit that, like... 
can can do we say gay or do I need to say homosexual? Because they use homosexual in a very negative yeah. way in that document. I'm just gonna say gay. Well, I feel like is gay and trans and LG. I always get without disrespect. I always forget one of the letters out of its LGBTQT. LGBTQIA plus, which I it's a hand or it's a mouthful, and I. As two straight guys, I feel like we're both comfortable enough in our sexuality and our kind of our love of just thinking about life in different ways. I mean, I I love doing this research. I mm-hmm. I feel like it was so cool to be able to see just not necessarily cool to see the struggle, but cool to see what gay people have overcome. Yeah. Yeah, my my including whole poor branding. I I don't and I'm not saying this in a, like, in a derogatory way, like, I don't care about people, but, like, I don't care what you do. Yeah. Don't as be an asshole. Just be a good person. Be nice. And guess what? I don't give a shit who you're holding the hands with or who you go home to at night or anything like that. Just don't be a dick. Like, that's it. There's gay people that are assholes. There's straight people that are assholes. There's black people that are assholes. White people that are, like, just be a nice person, and I, I'll fuck with you. Yeah. So. Especially if you had a little spice to my life. Yeah, no kidding. Help me, help me with my dress. <laughs> help me, help me with my outfit. Um, yeah, that documentary just providing all the context about the, the struggle and what fuck people that, regardless if they were gay or not or anything like that, that were put through and like committed to mental institutions and had fucking experiments done on them. It's, it's fucking crazy. And this is a weird tie-in, but talking about like, you know. Our democracy modeled after democracy that was found in Rome. Yeah. We want to go ahead and put so much like, we're democratic, we're a democracy, and that's like part of the government's like, that's bread and butter, cornerstone. That's like their mm-hmm. claim to fame. We're, we're a functional, we're the best democracy that's ever existed. All the people that, and I'm not saying all 100%, but a large portion, there's a good percentage, that the people who were able to craft democracy, they lived in a time where everyone, not everyone, but it was very, it seemed like it was very well accepted and acknowledged that sexual fluidity was definitely a thing. Oh, absolutely. You had, you know, orgies with men, with men and women, just probably not even just women. That was probably even... Less than the men fooling around. Yeah. But being bisexual, like, that was just so commonplace. And those are the people that probably had a hand in crafting or contributing to this democracy that then results in ours. So how can we say, like, oh, this thing was so good, but then somehow ignore the fact that the people that created it also had this moral flexibility and not take that along with it? Well, I think it comes down to one thing is religion. Religion is what changed everything, which to me also seems odd um, because all it has done is just like spurt hate. And it's something where in America, the laws that they had back in the, the 50s and before that in the 60s, they want to say that America really shirked England and got away from the colonies and all that kind of stuff and became their own place. But a lot of the laws that were on the books in New York were just laws that they had against homosexuality in colonies that mm-hmm. they brought over from England. Yeah. So it's like that was the one thing out of all the freedom that they wanted, all the religious freedom. It's like, eh, let's 
let's keep the gay stuff in there. <laughs> we we want the religious freedom to still make things that we don't like in our religion. <laughs> we want the religious freedom to still bash weird people. Yeah, exactly. So kind of the specific circumstances <coughs> of the Stonewall Rebellion was in New York in I don't know how far back it went. The the Stonewall Inn was both open and when it was open operating as a secret essentially gathering place for gay people. It was a tea room back in the earlier 60s and it had like a, from what I've read and seen about it, it used to be like a, a wedding hall too. Mm-hmm. Like the second uh, dance floor that we'll talk about in the back, the okay. fun one, had like a fountain in it. And it was a place where you could have events like weddings and different okay. things like that. So I think the mob bought it. Um, was it a hotel too? I don't it think just it one was. Of those weird things. It's called the Stonewall Inn, and it's not a hotel. It became the Stonewall Inn from I think it was Molly's Stonewall before that, and then it became the Stonewall Inn when it became the bar. So oh, okay. I don't know what the inn part was, but it sounded like they got a lot it's a, done. There. It's a fancy New York naming thing, probably. Well, yeah, and it's in Greenwich Village in Lower Manhattan, <laughs> so you true. gotta jazz it up a little bit. Yeah. So this place was. In the what precinct? It was in the sixth precinct. Um, for I don't know what what would you say. So it was in the jurisdiction of the sixth precinct of the New York Police Department. Yeah, and it was actually the Stonewall Inn. So it was a secret gathering place, basically known throughout the gay community as as safe as could be at the time, a safe place to drink and gather and dance and have a fucking good time. Yeah, just be yourself. Yeah, no get, shit. Get to let out because at that point in time. There was no holding hands out in public with another man or another woman. There was no... Everything had to be in the shadows. They were meeting in literally, like, the backs of meat trucks and meat packing I know. areas, which sort of funny. I'm going to come back into that. I have a meat have, truck <laughs> and bang. That's... <laughs> that they were in meat packing <laughs> trucks that they are doing it. It's fucking sad, man. Like, like, I was thinking about this, and I've had like very painful things happen in my life, but they were those painful things where they happen. They're, they're one off. They're, they're one off. Yeah. And they're one of those things that as time goes on, it gets easier with time. So the analogy is true in some situations, but it's like getting shot kind of, yeah, you get and, shot, and there's you the initial issue it. and then you heal. The persecution and inability for people to express themselves, gay people to express themselves at this time Man, like, I don't know what that would be like to have to hold in that part of yourself. Like, think of how big of a part of yourself, like, your romantic or even just casual relationships that led to physical or, you know, romantic things have been in your life. And to always feel like, yeah, what would your life be if that wasn't there? To have that spark that that first kiss that felt right or like the first girl that made you feel the butterflies and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. It, those are things that you would talk about with other people. I know. And what if you, you know, even worse, what if you, instead of never experiencing that, what if you got to experience that, but then could never act on it? Uh, it not only could never act on it, had to feel shame for it. Yeah. Had to feel like there was something wrong. Had uh, to, had to watch old fucking black and white, PSAs about how being gay was a mental illness and 
which I can't remember the name of that professor, but he was like the at the like Einstein School of Science or something yeah. like that when he was given that, which I don't know was Einstein. Like, I don't know how Einstein would have felt about that. Well, Einstein married his first cousin, so he had to feel He had to be pretty way. open then? Are you saying he had to be open to... <laughs> or very closed. Or so very, close. So close. <laughs> um, but yeah, just to, to be just inundated with all these things that should feel natural and should be good feelings that all these things are wrong and that you should be shunned in society and that it's a disease. And, but just to like go through life with just this like hole in you, I don't fuck man. Like that to me is the saddest thing to take away from this is just having to live with just this guilt. It's, it's, yeah, cause they, they shouldn't be ashamed. So I don't want to say shame. It's like for, shame forced upon you. Yeah. But then having to question at the same time, like, is there something wrong with me? Am I, you know, it, do I have these feelings? There's just, is there something wrong with that? But then at the same time feeling be like, yeah, these, these feelings can't be wrong. And having that confusion too. And not only having that confusion just within yourself, but also going to a medical professional because back in that day, the DSM was, it still is, but it's kind of like the blueprint mm-hmm. for psychology. It was considered a mental illness. So you weren't going into the doctor's office or the shrink and telling them and having them be like, hey, this is a natural thing. It's yeah. okay to feel this way. They're telling you that it is a mental well, illness. shit, man. And then they had people, there, it was showing a guy talking the guy was probably you know in his 40s 50s talking in front of a room of like maybe high schoolers young high schoolers middle schoolers about like telling them if you've ever had feelings about one of your friends of the same sex more than three times and this guy was going down more, the list of like, like there's a time like you can do is. it too and you're cool it, but the that's third what time it was, yeah, maybe you're gay exactly but and then hearing about how when they, when these guys would talk about, or these women would talk about the Stonewall and be like, this was the first place, a lot of them saying, you know, we came to New York because we heard it was more accepting and open-minded. And then they get to this place where they can hang out and get validation that there's been all these other people that have felt their entire lives the same way they felt. And to like, finally have this community. I, fuck man, that. It's like finding your Graceland. Yeah. You're with all your people. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, back in those times and in New York, the amount of homeless kids that would be out on the street because they were kicked out of their houses or they were mm-hmm. persecuted, anything like that, by their families to the point to where they knew that there was a place where they could go mm-hmm. and that would be accepting is just, it's great to know that this place existed. It's the fact that it came into existence through the mob is not good in the way that the mob ran it was not good but it is a little bit good that they gave him a place of refuge can you believe that the mob was just like no it's cool it's a gay bar and the police were against it it's like who were the good guys in that situation <laughs> now, i'm not saying the mob wasn't getting rich because we'll get into like some of yeah. the policies there but do you remember seeing that psa ad where it showed the, I the ho- kids and they were getting their coats oh. off the coat rack in the classroom and these kids are like literally like third fourth grade and one of the kids is still over by the coat rack and he's fixing his tie. And and these other two kids are like holding a basketball and playing back and forth. And they're like, these are normal American boys. Yes. They're like, do you notice Billy over by the coat rack? Doesn't he seem a little bit 
too concerned with his dress, fixing his collar and his hair. And I'm just fixing like, your collar no and your shit. hair. And they're like, there might be something wrong with Billy. Yeah. Billy might be a homosexual. But Either it's just that, like, or Billy figured out girls faster. To, huh? Billy might have figured out girls faster and knows that they exactly. like somebody that takes care of themselves. So. You didn't even bring up my favorite PSA from that. There were too many. For, like, my head hurt after watching some of them. The. <coughs> my favorite one. Favorite, favorite, just because of how ironic that it was that it happened was the son and the two parents in the house, and they had just finished up dinner, and they were walking over to the couch. Oh, and, and then he pops a cigarette yeah. in his mouth, and then Pack pops the pack and hands one to the mom. Yeah, and their child is sitting in right the in between them. And then he whips out the lighter to light it for you. Yeah. They're like, this is a normal American family. Okay, Don't thought, you want these family values? <laughs> I thought that was going to come back around, and I thought that was going to be a PSA that was like, it was going to show it in parts. And then I thought the dad was going to end up being like out at a gay bar <laughs> and being like, it could be anyone. So the Stonewall Inn is basically what you would consider to be any fun bar. It's got a dance floor. It's got drinks. So it was got a run- jukebox. Yes. It, it, it was the mob. Remember, wasn't it like the mob provided jukebox or something? Yeah. Well, and everything was because the, all they wanted all the money. So yeah. the quarters you'd be pumping would go to the mob. The the alcohol that they had there, they I I don't know if they were making their own or they were mixing it or what, but like the booze that they were serving would be served in like buckets. Oh, it was like watered down beer and liquor. Most of the time, it was shit that had fallen off of a truck that they had fallen, just stolen. I'm, yeah, I'm quoting fallen yeah. off a truck. <laughs> the mob found it off fallen off a truck. Um. So, yeah, it wasn't like they were doing it out of the goodness of their heart, but basically they were ripping off these guys for... This is how bad it was, okay. They're going to a place where they're paying, like, double or triple for half the drinks. Mm -hmm. There was, like, uh, problems with the plumbing and everything. This was not, like, a nice, nice place. It was just some place that was theirs. Yeah, no matter how bad it looked, it was still a place where they could gather. So they had bribed the 6th Precinct, the NYPD 6th Precinct, to basically look the other way. And to allow this to happen. So there was money exchanging hands. But was it the World's Fair that started coming up? Yeah. So they were in about, I want to say the numbers that I saw were about 1200 bucks a week that they were paying the precinct. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even like to not come in and harass us. You it know was, what that would equate to today? Ah, uh, shit. It was 69 so probably a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, that'd be... Yeah, how twelve hundred? Twelve hundred a week. So if you're paying oh, forty eight hundred okay. a month, that's got to be probably close to like what, like a hundred grand. I'm going to say a hundred grand. It sounds good. That sounds good. Good to me. Um, but it wasn't that they were paying them to protect them. They were still coming in and conducting raids. Um, they were just doing them at more opportune times, like on a weekday, really before night hit. I heard they would do a raid earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. Raid the guys that were there, and then they would have enough time to get the cops out, restock up on all the booze and shit that was taken, yeah, and then open up for business later that night. Yeah, so they they knew that they had to still put on a little bit of a front. Mm-hmm. And the saddest part about the way that they would do these raids, and even though they still had them in their pocket, there was still the amount of embarrassment that guys who were there. There was the front bar, which they called in the documentary the A gays, mm-hmm. like the fellows that show up in business suits and don't dance but are still gay mm-hmm. and want to meet people. 
And then there was a back dance floor, which they said the drag queens ran, which yeah. sounds awesome. Hell yeah. And the few videos that I saw, nice looking drag queens. They... I did see that, and the drag queens back... I'm not saying anything about drag queens these days, because I'm sure they're amping it up. Yeah. They gotta, gotta be more entertaining, but not gonna lie. I saw some of the drag queens, and I was like, for 69, with the wigs and everything like that, I was like, these these ladies look pretty hot. Well, hot take on drag queens, I feel like back then they had to rely more on natural beauty, whereas now it's more of a makeup That's deal. true, yeah. So, it, it was... They were... Yeah, I mean, I, respect, I don't know if I'd be bummed to be fooled by one of these respect, drag queens. No, respect to those 60s drag queens. Um, the, the embarrassing thing that would come with these raids is, like, the, the A-gay group, the ones that were in front, they would check every single ID of the people as they were letting them go That's and releasing right. them. So they were seeing all these different names in higher-profile people, lower-profile people, but if you had an office job and they found out that you were gay mm-hmm. and you were arrested for something... You would lose your job immediately, and if you were like a teacher or if you were licensed or anything like that, wasn't I might be wrong on this. So, was there notification provided to your employer that you had been arrested, and for what reason? Oh. I want to say there was some rule in New York at this time. There was a law that if you were found guilty of what they considered, I'm trying to remember what the terminology they used. It was like deviant lewd, behavior, lewd something, or de- yeah, deviant behavior, something like that. I want to say that there may have been a law, don't quote me on this, that they could or would notify your employer. And that's why there was such a worry when these guys that were, there were some people at this time that were openly gay and a lot of people at this time were closeted gay. So a lot of these guys that were in the A gay bar would be the closeted ones that were on their lunch breaks from work and, you know, business, you know, stock, whatever. Some had families at home. They had to have that normal life. Whatever to keep you got to wear that life. suit for. But then, you know, their big concern was not about the arrest. It was about the notification and them other people finding out. Yeah. Well, that, and if you do try to live a, a quiet life, if you try to live the life that everybody wants you to, and then all of a sudden that comes out and word starts spreading, your life mm-hmm. is just going to be smashed apart. If you, they would literally, if you were licensed in anything and you were convicted of any of this mm-hmm. stuff, they could revoke your licenses. So if you were like a plumber or an electrician or something right. like that, they would take your livelihood away from you. So, and also, let's mention it was illegal to serve someone who was, that you could discern was gay in New York. I don't know who was the judge of that. If, bar- yeah. <laughs> if bartenders have to take a spot the gay course. <laughs> it was probably pictures. It was probably like, is this guy smiling too much? Probably gay. Well, there was the, what was the rule they had about the dress? What was that called? Oh, the three pieces. Yeah, but there was a term they had for it. And I told myself to remember it and that I would remember it, but I can't remember now. It was, um, uh, there was a term for it about people not being able to dress in certain things like a tire or yeah, it was like for the cross-dressers, and basically the rule was that if you were found to be wearing three or more articles of clothing from a gender that they didn't believe you were, they could arrest you for it, which is a wild thought process to have, because if you're going to be like, yeah, you said you were a man. You, you had to be wearing, did you say, so you had to wear, yeah, you couldn't, you had to be wearing at least three pieces of your own specific Oh, I thought gender. it was the opposite No, way. so... What And the reason that they did it that way was because, let's say most people would wear pants, shirt, 
underwear yeah. and then something else. Your socks didn't count. So you at least had to have three pieces and they figured that would at least cover your underwear, your pants and your shirt. Then you could wear a ladies. Like that's what they were trying to get at. Um, well, and you saw how they would check this, right? They would literally pull them into a, what they considered a private area. Masquerade. It was the masquerade. masquerade. That's okay. what it was. Yeah, they would pull them into an area, sometimes male cops, sometimes female cops, just whatever was around, and they would literally check their genitalia mm-hmm. to see They would what, feel for. Yeah, that's what they said. That's a, a just <coughs> the most serious, intrusive. Like, seriously? So, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to stop at certain points during this podcast and just be like, what the fuck? <laughs> that's... At, at pretty much every other point here. Um it was also uh, routine for police departments to use sting operations to arrest gay people. And what would they what would they do? It would be I'm trying like, to remember the like a handhold, even something like that, to be like, "Hey, do you want to go outside? Do you want to go out back?" Just anything, kind of like yeah. they do now. But if there was one about a bathroom. It was something about entrapment that they would lure, you know, the cop would be posing, which ha- <laughs> I, I envisioned a cop, an undercover cop in those days. You know, when you see um, that clip of Steve Buscemi, when he's supposed to be sneaking in with the kids and he's supposed to be the kid, he's like, what's up, fellow teenagers? <laughs> and he's got like the fucking skateboard. What's and up, drag queens? Uh-huh. But like, I'm imagining what a cop in the 60s, a detective would think a gay man would act like to be able to go ahead and entice another one. Um, well, and you're not going to like go home and ask your wife, like, hey, I need to dress gay for this sting operation. No. What, what do we got? Exactly. And I, I remember one thing about the entrapment thing was that it was really only successful. They, fact, they actually figured out that it was only really successful on people that had just just started to try to like come out and experience the gay oh. scene. So like the I, I guess you could say the, the rookie gays, not the veteran. The veterans were too wily. <laughs> they were seasoned. They could smell... They could smell a cop posing as gay a mile away. Well, when you brought up the bathroom thing, I immediately thought, yeah, they had to have wisened that sting up. But then I remembered, what was it, less than 20 years ago when that Senator Larry Craig got caught in the bathroom in Minneapolis and he was tapping his feet underneath the stalls. And he said that he had a wide stance, but he got arrested for solicitation. Mm-hmm. So literally today, their sting operations still involve going into the bathroom to try to coerce somebody to have sex. Like, So I actually went into that airport. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And went into the bathroom just to kind of get a, get a feel for it. And I can confirm <laughs> you that did you got to have, have a wide, <laughs> wide stance. To make that even probable. Hey, some people go you to Dealey Plaza. splits on the toilet. For you to get that far underneath the next stall. It was, there was ample, ample room. I like that. Some people go where JFK was shot Mm -hmm. and you go to the Larry Craig bathroom. So a lot of these laws that we're going to be talking about, these are state laws. So again, state and federal laws can be different. Um, Sodomy laws existed up until 1963 in all 50 states and they were punishable by up to like 60 years in prison. Yeah, which... Sounds like a real bad time for something that mm-hmm. can be interpreted really. How many straight people were breaking that law yeah. the entire time? Yeah, butt sex can still, sodomy can still happen between a male and a female. Uh, you, I will ways, tell you actually. right now with complete assurity, there is more man to woman butt sex going on in the world than there is gay butt sex going on in the world. 
I will say that <sighs> because there's so many more straight people. I will say 100%. That'd be a just, fun pie chart to see. Uh, I'm just telling you, the law of numbers, even <laughs> if one out of every, what, 50 people are doing, are ha- straight people, the percentage of gay people is not one out of, like, it's it's a small percentage. So... Yeah, nobody's gonna come knocking on the door if they know gay that a man and a woman are up. In Gay the same people house. need to overtake us in that number. <laughs> they need to step their game up. You got hey. It is unfair though, because I think that there are a lot of straight deviants out there. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. both male and female that are that are into the butt stuff. Well, and then we get to even tag team back in because there's also pegging. So we're not just worried just about it going one way. I, we're going I'm not even lying to you. Too. You said there's one more factor. I was like, I forgot about strap-ons. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. And even factor the fact in that it can now be women performing yep. sodomy. We go the other so. way too. Okay. I take it back. Gay people don't try it. They're so catching up. Um, so yeah, like we kind of talked about before, some States, they would send anyone caught, doing their lewd activities to mental institutions where this is fucking unbelievable. They were subject to shock therapy. And when I say shock therapy, I mean like strapped with electrodes and there's in this documentary, there's actually footage and testimony of this. They would be shown images. If it was a guy be shown images of another naked man and then shocked repeatedly until they thought, that he would no longer be aroused by that, the sight of a naked man. Well, and I want to know how thorough they were. Like, did they have a meat gazer there that he his sole job was just to sit in front of him, and if he saw a little twitch in this dude's groin, he's like, shock him? Because mm-hmm. that sounds he, gayer he ha- than the he, guy. That was the guy that had the button, actually. Oh. And he would just be right down close, and if he even thought it moved, <laughs> just zap the shit out of him. And that guy went home and probably invented pegging. Yes, there was, a, excuse the name on this one, this is just what they called it, but there was a place in California, uh, Atashero, that they literally called the Dash Out for Queers. Like, that's that's how bad this place was. That's how many lobotomies were California, going on. California, man. Yeah. It, which, this kind of blows me away, because this happened, there was one other kind of like an open strike that had happened in California before this, but it hadn't made really any news. To me... The probably the what I would consider the known gay cultural hubs for me are probably and I might be wrong on this. I might be out of date on my my gay geography. New York, <laughs> California, a lot of places in California, and Seattle, Miami, Miami. Now I okay, it's a party place. That's where the that's where all the retired gays now. We're now at the point now where we have a whole bunch of generations of old retired gays and they're going to want to retire in style just like everybody else does. That makes me in fact, happy. In fact, they're going to want to retire in more style because obviously. Yeah, I, just to think about a a big old place down in Florida where it's like a a gay Jewish retirement village. That is that 100%. Oh, I'm, that would hold be on. awesome. There is with without a doubt a gay <laughs> Jewish retirement your ads on your phone are going to be so fucked up i cannot (laughs) wait no i'm going to find it's just going to be nothing but what are they what's that box that comes with all the like um it's for guys it's the it's got all the really fashionable stuff and i'm trying to think what it's it's like a stitch fix for guys oh yeah like 
dude box or bespoke or bespoke. That's that I always forget that fucking word. It's bespoke yeah. box, and it's all fuck yeah. Like I'll just get bespoke stuff <laughs> sent to my phone. I'm gonna end up spending a lot of money. So gay Jewish retirement Florida. Because I figured if it's gonna be, it's either gonna be in Florida or Sedona. Yeah. Okay, so um, Jewish community services, South Florida retirement communities turn their sights on once invisible. A luxury LGBTQ seniors community is slated for Palm Springs. Perfect. See, you know That's what? Awesome. And these are like from 2019. So yes, I don't know if it's Jewish specific, which I hope it's not because everyone needs to be able to have fun. Yeah, but the Jewish ones would be the most fun, I feel like. And just in case you wanted to know, the gays. Oh, and it's coined the gay capital city of Florida. <laughs> Fort Lauderdale. Maybe not Miami. Okay, yeah. Little okay, back, further south. Back, but, back on topic. Before we get on that, I got duped the other day too. And I fell into a gay trap and I didn't even realize it. Okay. So um I've been hearing a lot about like bathhouses. Like there's um Turkish are they, bathhouses. Are they like coming back? Well, in bigger cities they're coming back. There's okay. like a lot of them in New York, shocking. Mm-hmm. Um Chicago, there's some of them in California, but they just sound like the awesomest time. Like you show up there. You're just hanging out with a bunch of dudes. You go into the steam room. You catch a steam. There's cold tubs get that you can go schwitz. lay in. Yeah, a you get, schwitz and a soak. Exactly. Hell they, yeah. Some of the places they'll beat you with the fronds. Mm-hmm. Just sounds like a real refreshing time. Some get a massage. Them, yeah, they even feed you in some of them. It sounds like a great place. Yeah. So in my brain, I think these places sound awesome. We live in an old enough place. There's got to be a chance that one of them has survived by now. Okay, so you're thinking that's going to come back? Like now you see places <coughs> that are like the float tanks. Yeah. And like fully dedicated actual barber shops, like barber shops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I could see bathhouses making a resurgence. Well, and it just sounds like a, a good time. If and you really think about it, though, too, a lot of if you go to an actual spa, that's a bathhouse. It's just a co ed bathhouse. Yeah, but you can't do it with the boys. You can, yeah. Oh, no, you, because what you do, yeah. You and me going to a spa sounds much more questionable than you and me going to a bathhouse. Say that again and see which one actually say that. Say that one more time. You and me going to a spa sounds way more questionable than you and me going to a bathhouse. Really? No. You don't think that? No. Oh, buddy. If you, and this is just personally, if you're going to think which, which phrase has the connotation to it, spa and bathhouse, bathhouse has the connotation to it. Really? Yes. I feel like a spa uh, with the no. nail treatments and the facials and stuff. We're gonna we'll put out a survey for this. Yeah, we're they, gonna do. A, can you do? Yeah, we can do Twitter and Instagram surveys. Yeah. We're, okay. So look for that here in here in a, another couple of weeks. We'll put that out. So I am online looking, and I Google that. I just Google bathhouses here, and the first five things it brings up is the gay scene here. And did it, did it direct you to a, a bathhouse? We don't have any, but. It was like five best gay this, five best gay that. Is there like an Airbnb bathhouse, or it's just some <laughs> private bathhouse? Some dude maybe is installed in his basement. <laughs> just two hundred bucks, you can come over and use my if sauna. This is your long roundabout way of asking me if I want to get in on the ground floor. Okay, you're not really. A if you're asking guy. me if you want me to get in on the ground floor of the first, is this a men's only, or are we gonna have like men's side, women's side? <sighs> Men's side, women's side. Okay. Men's only. Okay. Sounds, yeah, we're gonna. We don't want to cut down our clientele. Yeah. So if you're asking me to get in on that, yeah. I, I, yeah. I obviously yes. I don't hate the idea. That wasn't where I was going. I was just shocked that I couldn't Google bathhouse without it being like top ten gay spots in your city. 
that's what I'm telling you. That's where the connotation is. Yeah. You know, if you type in spa, you're not going to get that. What if you type in two dudes going to a spa? You're still not going to get that. You get a lot of dudes just going to a spa. I'll go to a spa with you right now. You're telling me right now we can go to a spa and get a massage? You can get massages at the bathhouse. And not like me and you massages, like actual trained people. Okay. Again, if this is your roundabout way of asking me if I would go to the spa with you, yes, I will. Okay. You don't have to. You can just ask me. (laughs) We'll get that that figured out after. (coughs) The other part I wanted to say on the whole mental institution thing. They would fucking lobotomize some yeah. people. I don't know how, you know, of course, if it even if it happened once, it needs to be said. But it didn't just happen once. I don't know the numbers. I hope to God it was not a high percentage. I hope to God it was not even double digits percentage. But the fact that they thought that somehow fucking lobotomizing you would fix being gay is archaic where this was the fucking united states of america post-world war ii yeah in the 1900s not the 1600s no this wasn't fucking she you know we got too much rain so mrs birth may be a witch let's fucking burn her no this is like again this is a what the fuck like You're turning people into vegetables because you're concerned about their sexuality that they've never once tried to force upon you. No shit. Like what? Uh, the thought that they no would... one is no one is forcing you to watch or any uh-uh. of that shit. Like there were certain sections in New York, and I'm not saying that people were like fucking on the streets. Fine, there might have been one or two instances of fucking on the street, but find me a place in the world where you don't have to watch a man and woman fucking on the street at some point or another. That's the double standard that I got from this. That's all it is. There are... it. Okay, so anyway. The amount of PDAs that happen between males and females mm-hmm. out in public, too much. Yes. I feel like it's too much between them. But I feel like if it evened out a little bit and there were more PDAs between same-sex couples, mm-hmm. it would probably push the, the opposite-sex couples to be like, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. Like, all PDAs in public are just kind of weird. Yeah. But to each their own. And if one set can do it, why can't get, another I set get, do it? If I'm a little stoned with, you know, the misses in public, I get hand, a little handsy. But she's just like, just like, knock it off. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I just forget I'm doing it. <laughs> so, we talked about the masquerade law wearing, you had to be wearing, the requirement was you had to be wearing three articles of clothing, socks do not count, of the clothing of your specific gender, which they would consider your birth gender, um, or it was legal in New York. Um, all of this stuff just finally, I guess, came to a head, which it should have come to a head. I'm not, I'm surprised it didn't come to a head sooner. And frankly, it shouldn't have happened even in the first place. So the fact that it had to come to a head is crazy. It's, it's a a major moment in history where people finally stood up and just said, we're not going to fucking take this anymore. There's only so many times that you can be assaulted by mm-hmm. a bystander and then have the police be like, yeah, well, you shouldn't be gay. That's well, not I mean, going to happen. And the fact that I think the raids got more severe and more um, consistent more often was because I think I mentioned before, so the World's Fair was mm-hmm. getting ready to come to New York. So anyone that's not familiar with the World's Fair, do they they don't do them anymore. I can't remember when the last one was. Yeah, it's unfortunate they but don't. It, it seems like a cool idea. the closest thing I can describe it as for 
what most people that are listening to this will probably understand is if you remember in Iron Man 2, they had the Stark Expo. It was the one yeah. place where they basically had like a big section in New York and it was all for like the sciences and like displays and expos and everything. That was kind of like what the World's Fair was. You would have all these representations of different fields of study, but also different cultures around the world and you could all go see it in one place. And it's something that was a big enough deal. Google World's Fair New York. Um, oh, it's also in Men in Black. Remember the end of Men in Black? Where, where they the show off ships, the, And it used yeah. to be an actual alien spaceship. Well, and the World's Fair was kind of your way of showing like how technologically advanced you were at that yeah. point, too. You were building things that were brand new items mm-hmm. in all these cities. It's To me, when I think about it, it's kind of like the cultural Olympics. It like, was. Have you, you not you, watched any of the Iron Man movies? Yeah, but... Okay. Yours sounded more like a like a science based like thing. Like a nerd. A little like a, bit. Like a fucking nerd explanation. <laughs> it, to me it just seems like it was it was kind of your newest tech, but it was kind of your culture that were there to flex too. Yeah. In front of a world Which, audience, like what kind of shit you got. Like the Olympics, you choose a city, they dump it was a the ton of money. Olympics. Yeah. That's what it was. Intellectual Olympics. So what that, happened? It was, was an election year. Mm-hmm. It was an election year, okay. and people it, for were, New York politics. Yeah, okay. people were concerned that they weren't going to stay in power any mm-hmm. longer. And what's the easiest thing to do to garner a little bit of sympathy to start reigning in the gays? So, because they realized that New York was also going to be on a world stage for this, they started upping raids on these known places. They also started just arresting like drag queens off the street, trying to kind of clean up the image of the street. Which you know what. Fuck it. Let them do their thing. Um, but yeah, do you all... clean up people that are dressed poorly that yeah, are sure, their own right. gender? So on June 28th, um, four undercover officers in the evening. What does that say? Two, oh, two women and two men. Yep. They enter the stone wall. And um, the public morale squad for the in, uh, NYPD. Yeah, they actually had a public morals squad. That was a, a job title inside of the New York Police Department, a public morals squad. So not like special were they victims actually, unit. Were they cops? Yeah, but it was like detectives that were in their own squadron that were in charge of public morals. So all the morality that was so, happening outside. So anything that they considered that lewd conduct or anything like that? this Drug use, anything like that was deemed immoral, so they would be the ones that would go after it. If you, have, if you use drugs, do you have poor morals? That's an age-old question, and I've still always said no. No. I mean, it, no. some of the things I think about is if that was the question of morality, I would feel like I have great morals. Other things, not so much. So, at 1 a.m., four planes closed police officers. That makes sense, plain clothes. They wouldn't have been dressed fabulous. Uh, yeah, no glittery badges put some, put or some anything. Goddamn effort, effort into it at least. They start the raid. Music's turned off. Lights come up. So, at this point, I think finally someone just said, or a group of people just decided that this shit was enough, and basically told the cops once they made themselves known, they're like, "We're not leaving. Like, fuck you. We're staying. We're not leaving. What are you gonna do?" Well, and. Going along with talking about the 6th Precinct earlier, this had nothing to do with them. They weren't told about this. They had actually already performed a raid that week on Mm -hmm. a Tuesday at like 4 o'clock. 
So they had already done their deal, and they weren't let in by the morals police that this was even going down. Well, I wouldn't be surprising if that precinct, because this place had been continuing operation, they had to have known there was probably something up with that precinct, and instead of trying to get to the bottom of that, they were like, ah, fuck it, we'll just bypass them and bust this place ourselves. True. I didn't think about that. It just, it seems like one of those things where seeing as the mob didn't, get the heads up first that they couldn't get it out to the patrons to maybe scatter to mm-hmm. not be in here at this time. Well, shit, man, how many, the way it sounds like, it sounds like there was only like one way in and out of this place. Well, it had actually, before it became the Stonewall Inn and it had a fire inside of it. Mm-hmm. And then they painted all the walls black to cover up the soot, all of the course. shit on the walls. Cause that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Is you don't, you, yeah. You don't replace that. No. Cause no. there's no health hazard with that. So it was dark, there weren't a lot of ways in, there weren't a lot of ways out, it was on the bottom of this building, and it really was kind of like, you could be bottlenecked inside there mm-hmm. and not have a way to get out. And so, of course, when you show up there on a, I think it was a Friday night, I believe it was a Friday night, this place is hopping, it's right around 1 o'clock, it's full, they send these... uh Four undercovers and four plainclothes officers into this bar full of queens, full of gay people. Like, if you think that you're going to be able to control that situation, you've vastly underestimated yourself. Well, and the other thing, too, is I wonder when the 6th Precinct, because they weren't just coming in and just, like, it wasn't just a, like a false um, raid. When they would come in and just be like, hey, guys, break it up. They were arresting people at this time. Basically, they were, the but- deal was just with the mob, so... But the other thing is, is the gay community in this area didn't have anywhere else to go. So it was like, think of that. Just to have a sense of belonging community, you are literally willing to go ahead and risk jail time on any given night that you're there. So when, you know, this other precinct or, you know, wherever they were from came in, they probably also had no idea how to deal with this kind of crowd. No. I'm sure the officers in the 6th Precinct had developed a system. While it was still shitty, they at least probably could de-escalate a little bit. Well, and they would go in. There was just less people. If you show up at a bar at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you show up at a bar at 1, it's just going to be different. Yeah. And the precinct did give the mob tips like, hey, we're going to be there in three hours. Mm -hmm. So they would tell their customers, because if your customers are getting arrested or you're getting badgered, Mm -hmm. there were other gay bars in the area. Staff. Yeah. Like, did any of the staff get arrested and they had to keep replacing the staff? Because there had to be bartenders that were working for the mob or whatnot. Yeah, and most of the time, this time, the night that we're going to talk about when the rebellion happened, they, like, the first paddy wagon that was supposed to show Mm -hmm. up for the arrest was strictly for the mob. So they were going to arrest all of them for it first, and then they were going to start taking... Literally go around the corner, open it up, and be like, get the fuck out of here. I don't know this time, though, because I feel like this oh, time they were trying with to... The, with the different precincts. Yeah. I was thinking if they would have done that with the sixth precinct. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they did a lot. Off. Yeah. But these guys were looking to close down the stone wall. Mm-hmm. They, they had known that it was such a, a big hangout and a place where there was so much going on that if they could cut that head off, it would probably clear out a little bit of that area. And there yeah. were still other gay bars in the area, but nothing like the stone wall. Yeah. And again, this is in Greenwich Village in Lower Manhattan, right? Yep. Okay. In the Summer of Love, Summer of 1969. Love. So, as the police are coming in, um, you know, like I said, eventually after checking people's IDs, starting checking genders, um, the people inside were just like, we're not going, fuck you. Um, at this point, there's probably kind of a scene, especially with police cars outside oh, the front. Absolutely. Uh, People passing on the street, onlookers, they kind of start to gather outside the stone wall. 
as people start getting kicked out, people get, you know, getting brought out. And an officer was trying to arrest a, a woman there and started to beat her as she probably struggled to either fight back or, which she should have. This is not something you should be arrested for. Or just, I don't know, trying to kind of struggle to break free if he's holding her in a painful position or something. There's a lot of different kind of theories as to how the riot had started. Mm-hmm. Um, just different things as far as like different chance that we're going outside. But the closest that they could tell was um, this lesbian lady that you were just talking about was getting pushed back into the back of a paddy wagon and swung her purse and drilled the cop in the side of the head mm. and got back out and was going at him. And he severely under- <coughs> underestimated this lady. And she turned around and she goes, are you just going to watch? Are you just going to going to let this happen to me mm-hmm. as they're arresting her? And that was kind of when the frenzy started. It was when the, the, the onlookers the fuse. Yeah. This is when you're hearing, I can hear it coming in the air tonight. This is when Phil is really starting to, to hit the drums. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's coming. So the onlookers started throwing pennies at the police and among other things, but pennies oddly enough, because they're coppers and uh, they were throwing them at coppers. This uh, is like the weird old timey, like tug and cheek shit where it's like, eh, it's kind of funny. Hit I guess. Them with pennies, burn them. This is like, it's a physical burn. Yeah. Like, what are they throwing pennies? They're copper. <laughs> so can things. You, okay. Can you hold right after the pennies? Cause I got to pee. Yeah. We can okay. Do that. All right. Okay, so they threw pennies at him. What happened next? Uh oh, oh, buddy. I the story sounds more true than what I want it to sound. Actually, less true than I want it to sound. So you wish it wasn't true? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. What I have in my mind feels like it's just so much better than what the actual story was. So this uh, big old drag queen starts to get real angry and she walks over to a parking meter Mm -hmm. and starts shaking it to tear it out of the ground because they're starting to go into like destruction mode. Mm -hmm. The police have realized that they don't have the upper hand in this situation. They counted the queens. They counted themselves. They realized that this is about to get real bad real quick. Do you remember the number of cops that showed up? Uh, I think it was only eight. Because at that point, it was the four plain clothes and then the four undercovers. Oh, that's right. So you have thousands of angry, <coughs> gay, straight, people that are tired of the cops, everybody down on that bar block starting to push down on mm-hmm. you. And the police realize at that point that there's no way that they're getting out of this okay. So all the people that they had just kicked out have still stayed. They're all very angry. You start to hear the chance of gay power happening. And all these cops... Was... I don't know if you know this. Was, and this is not making light of it. Was the actual chant gay power? Yeah. Oh, it was? Yeah. Okay. Which, it sounds awesome. Yeah. It would be fun to hear that just pop off in public. Like, mm. Where's that coming from? Yeah. Where is it? Who's doing that? But this was an angry chant to the point to where the police realized that they weren't getting out of this okay. And there were actually two reporters that were cocksuckers. Not not literally, just figuratively. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Gotta gotta specify this time. Mm-hmm. 
There's a good one and a bad one. But uh, they were from the Village View or some shit like that. It was some newspaper that was down there that was very right-leaning. That They went in there to see the action and get the story so they could print it the next day. They get chased into the stone wall. All the cops get chased into the stone wall. There's still a few gay folks that get trapped inside too. And then we pan back to this angry crossdresser who is wrenching on this parking meter and a bunch of other people go down and help him or her pull it out of the ground. Mm -hmm. And I like to think that she just grabbed it and like bent it in half and ripped it out of the ground. Like just superhero strengthed it out. So they start jamming it against the door and ramming the door of the stone wall, trying to break in to get to these cops, which I'm sure at this point have done the math and realized that they're all kinds of fucked. Mm -hmm. And, end up making some good headway they break through the door enough to the point where people are throwing things inside at the police and at one point somebody goes and gets a can of lighter fluid Mm -hmm. sprays it all over the door and lights it on fire so these cops have not a lot of ways out of the (coughs) excuse me out of the bar at this point good one so they start to call for backup uh, to the 6th Precinct, and you're never going to imagine that the 6th Precinct doesn't answer the calls for the raid that was never run past them or anything like that. So that's surprising. That was on their turf on a place where they're getting the take. Can you imagine? Okay, well, I guess we have recently heard about cops not doing a fucking thing. Yeah. Certain, certain areas. Um, but... Can you imagine in, in New York calling into a precinct, like a New York City police department precinct, and just no response? And I don't know if the, the calls went unanswered, as in like no one responded to them as far as showing up, or if they're just like, yeah, we're on our way. Well, we should be there in oh, <laughs> out. That weird old fella on the documentary. The guy that was in the NYPD hat yeah, that's was right. one of the officers that was in there. And he said that it had never happened before where when they would press down on their radio, they wouldn't get any feedback and mm-hmm. it would just be silence as they were talking. So I can imagine some guy sitting in the 6th precinct, like as soon as they start talking, he just holds his talk button down too. So mm-hmm. everything goes silent. <laughs> He's like, ah, I'm not picking anything up. Slow night tonight. Don't know what's going on in the village. It, it, Enough to where I'm sure there was probably questions afterwards, like, hey, what happened to you guys? Yeah. Which, unfortunately, I feel like if they had shown up, things would have gone better. But this is a serious topic because it is what would be considered a riot. I feel like it's a little bit more Mm -hmm. like a rebellion just because it was people standing up for injustice and trying to take back their own. Yeah. I think the term riot has that connotation when it was people not doing something for a just cause or for the right reasons. Yeah. Which unfortunately a lot of things get labeled riots that were just causes. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Things that are just causes get turned into riots by a few. That's what sucks is when like good causes like, a couple people fucking ruin it, and the then that's all the provocateurs that no want to get in there yeah. and get going. So one of the uh, female officers actually escapes to go for help. Yeah, she bailed out the back window of, I think it was one of the bathrooms. Mm-hmm. And so, ends up making it to... I don't... <laughs> it would be great if it was the 6th Precinct that she made it mm-hmm. to, but I don't think that it was. I don't. I didn't see where she got to. 
she got to a place to where she could actually call for backup. Yeah. And that's when the riot squad comes in. And just to get back to where I forgot, we're going to call it a riot. It was a very serious matter, but there's something about this, which I hope you can see the humor in too, of the fact that like, this wasn't a normal riot. This was a bunch of flamboyant, excited, proud gay people Mm -hmm. that were going to do whatever they could to fuck with the police. It was a riot. (laughs) During this whole thing, I just want to think that It's Raining Men was playing in the background. Just That's a fucking banger song. Yeah, it's an anthem. It's great. Yeah. So, And I'm sorry, but if you are going to say like, oh, I don't like that song, play that song and you're going to catch yourself knowing at least. Of course, it's a simple chorus. But tell me how many people don't know the dance to YMCA. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing. You claim you don't, but you know you do. (laughs) So she gets a hold of basically what was the riot squad back then. It had a different weird name. So we'll just call it the riot squad at this point because it's basically what they were. And the shields and helmets guys. Yep. Shields and helmets guys. Shields, helmets, (coughs) excuse me, batons. They show up and. There's just a silence that goes over the crowd. They realize that things are kind of starting to change, but don't really know what's going on. And as the sea of people parts, the uh, fellows with the riot gear show up, and another paddy wagon shows up. Now, is this like, I didn't see the footage of this. Is this like what you would think of, like, old school, like, riot squad, where they're, like, across the street, a couple guys deep, all with shields, and they're just marching forward. Yeah. And then you see the, you know, the other crowd on the other side. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's shitty comparison, but like when you see beatings that happen out in the streets from mm-hmm. riot squads and all that, they, they look exactly like that. They're, yeah. they're ready to bust skulls. Yeah. So <clears throat> these are the ones that show up to try to, uh, gain the peace and order again. And that's how you, yeah, that's how, yeah you, that's how you extend the offer of peace yeah. as you go out there with the fucking Billy clubs and riot shields. Um, they're met with something that I can undoubtedly say was a, a resistance of which they've never met before. So um, a lot of the cross-dressing men had stood up in front of them and they were facing off and... Probably the most awkward standoff ever because it was men in dresses standing against the riot squads. And they proceeded to link arms and form a Rockette-style kick line as they sang the song, We are the village girls, we wear our hair in curls, our dungarees are above our nelly knees. Hell yeah. Which, the way they sang it sounded hot. I I can't hit those octaves, it just Mm -hmm. doesn't sound right. Um, this proceeded to just basically piss off the riot squad to the point to where they rushed them. They broke up the kick line, unfortunately, and started bashing heads, but they still did not have the numbers to be able to do anything that they wanted to do at this point. Mm -hmm. They got rushed and as more police were showing up. Well, I think at this point too, so it's not just the village girls that are there fighting back. This is also essentially, they're kind of fighting the neighborhood, aren't they? Because people oh, yeah. are coming out, and it's not just, you know, gay people in this neighborhood. People living in this neighborhood, you know, not every single one of them might have been, like, in that lifestyle. But if you're living in this area and everything, then you're probably more open-minded. Because it Absolutely. does, like, New York did have more 
I think everyone has seen TV shows that they understand that New York is just this collection of little cultural cities. It's just a melting pot. Like, yeah. yeah. So you have people also from this neighborhood that are joining in in support of, you know, in support of essentially the the gay side of this. They've seen it happen. Yeah. They, they've seen these people treated poorly mm-hmm. by literally everybody. So... Um, the other thing that the riot squad did not plan on was the mob's ability to understand the neighborhood, mm-hmm. I guess you would say, because they would chase them down the street and instead of the mob dispersing, they would go up a back street, circle all the way back around and cut down another street to then be right back in front of the stone wall. So as they would chase them away mm-hmm. and then start to try to take over the stone wall again, the mob would be coming back around the corner at them. They had no idea if it was new people showing up. They mm-hmm. had no idea if it was the same people. I imagine they probably knew it was the same people because they kept getting madder and madder each time they yeah. circled. And there was just no ability for them to basically cut the head off the snake. It just mm-hmm. kept coming and coming and coming the whole entire night. It was just a bunch of dudes coming all over a bunch of them. <laughs> I almost did it. I almost got it. I was gonna. I was just watching you, being like, "Where is he gonna let this go? Or is he gonna take this somewhere?" <sighs> I almost had it. But it just it, it lasted the entire night, and it was the exact same pattern the entire night, to the point to where in the morning, when everybody woke up, there were um, gay folks sitting on stoops outside across from other gay folks, across from police officers that were all just so worn out from an entire night of fighting and chasing and beatings going both directions, I'm Mm -hmm. sure, to the point to where they literally could sit across from each other and they couldn't do anything. They were that tired. Yeah. It's kind of the the like the trench warfare thing in World War Two. Like or no World War One. So basically they would just be sitting for months in their own trenches with not being able to advance, but you want to, you're just so tired. You can't do anything about it. The streets were just littered with broken glass. And they said that it was almost a beautiful sight as the sun came up to see all the broken glass and everything out on the street because it was just littered. There were fires that were in trash cans. Uh, (laughs) Did you see the uh, one fellow on the documentary that said that they were throwing bricks but unfortunately, in the gay community, there weren't a lot of baseball players, so a lot of the bricks that they were throwing ended up hitting bystanders in the no. crowd. <laughs> I did not see that. So he said that there was some collateral damage every time somebody would throw a brick. Sorry. It, it wouldn't land exactly where you wanted to, but just complete chaos. So this went on for five nights. Yeah, and the second five night... Days. I, this was the other thing that amazed me, and I don't know if this was the mob giving the biggest fuck you to the cops ever mm-hmm. for what they did, but the stone wall opened up the next night. It was lit on fire. Everything was smashed inside of it. All the booze was taken and gone and dumped everything. They brought a new jukebox in. They brought all the new booze in, and the stone wall opened the second night. That's, I don't know if that's, that's a fucking flex. Yeah. I don't know if that's gay support or just you're angry at the police, but you that think is awesome. This, is there a gay mafia? I'm sure there are gay people in the mafia. Do you yeah. think they're able to be openly gay in the mafia? I'd hope, <laughs> I'd hope that an institution such as the mafia would be accepting now. They gotta be pretty, you know, they're open-minded with interpretation of the law. Yeah. 
And they do have tend to have a code of honor. From yeah. what I've experienced, not firsthand, but within <laughs> media. Within the movie realm. Within the movie and TV. Listen, The Sopranos, Tony had a code of ethics. They were flexible. But yeah. Well, and he said that you don't eat pussy, too, which, I mean. Come on, Tony. Yeah. You got to do that once in a while. So, the next night, the crowds grow to the point to where... The um, riot squad is standing downtown. They know that this wasn't over. They know it wasn't a one-and-done night. Um, At this point, it's not only just the gay community and its supporters. The Black Panthers had shown up. Um, Anti-war protests were still popping off left and right. So anti-war protesters, anti-government protesters had shown up. Bit of of advice. If you're going to... Uh, have a riot with a oppressed minority somewhere, don't do it in New York because they have an (laughs) abundance of different oppressed minorities and cultures. And yeah, they, they, I would imagine would like to come out in support of some of them would probably like to come out in support of one another more than a few or just take a crack at the cops. Yeah. A combination (laughs) of that is what probably helped them out here. Well, I imagine that, that groundswell of support from everybody else, whether it was just to get back at the cops or to, you know, help protect them was probably a pretty galvanizing feeling. Mm-hmm. Like you, you knew that you had so much other support behind you at that point. So this goes on. Yeah. Like you said, another five nights where there's fires everywhere. There's beatings in the streets from the police officers, but there's really no resolution to the issue other than it just finally started to peter out, but it only petered out physically because what it sparked in the gay community and the organizing that happened after that was something that I don't know if we've really ever seen before. Um, There was a group that came out of this. There were two groups that were, we should have talked about them earlier before the Stonewall riot happened. And one of them was the Mattachine Society, which was the uh, pro-gay movement back mm-hmm. at the time. And the other one was the Daughters of Belitis, which was the pro-lesbian okay. movement at the same time. And in name, they were a, a group of gay people trying to push for gay rights. But in the same way that you would say please and thank you. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a very polite way of doing it. And in the documentary... Are these the people that, when they went to go protest, or they were the ones that were protesting, essentially, for gay rights, but they were all wearing, like, nice dresses and suits? Yep. Because, and I mean, there's there's definitely an intelligent rationale to this, is that they wanted to go ahead be and be like, we're not any different. Like, look, you're wearing a suit, I'm wearing a suit. We're, don't, like, we're not different people. We're the same people. Like, it doesn't make us different than you. Yeah. And so they were less of the, like, in-your-face flamboyant and everything. And you still did have that, you know, group of people, which they should have been able to protest however they wanted. But this specific group of people had this idea of just, like, let's just show them there's no difference. That it's not, you know, it's not a a deviation away from their way of life. It's certainly a way to go. Mm -hmm. It is a strategy. 
You have to think, though, after going through the 50s of just the ultimate gay oppression that happened in the 40s and 50s, Mm -hmm. and to the point where, and I love this too, because it's so tied into history with McCarthyism and like the Red Scare, they called the gay movement the Lavender Scare, which lavender is a tremendous looking color to Mm -hmm. be named after for a scare. It's an excellent herb, too. Yeah, it's the lavender scare sounds awesome. If you were trying to go ahead and be, you know, degrading, fail. Yeah, all you did was make it sound better. Code lavender? Hell yeah. (laughs) So the Mattachine Society was to the point where they had a speaker on the documentary who was speaking up about gay rights and had made some claims as far as we don't want the equality of being able to marry and things like that, just because he was trying to be so proper and trying to break it in. All he was trying to do was shut down the sodomy laws. And this was before Stonewall happened. Mm -hmm. So he wanted the sodomy laws to go away, but he was saying that there were very few people in the movement and in the Mattachine society that wanted equal rights as far as marriage and everything else, which that's only to satiate. I feel like the American public. And it came to the point at the end of this interview in the documentary where he did say that reporter asked him straight out, he goes, are you a homosexual? And he even backpedaled on that mm -hmm. and said that he had been for a few years earlier on, but he's been not gay and gave up that lifestyle. It wasn't his, not his cup of tea. Yes. That's what he said. So, so just, they wanted to politely try to do it. And we've learned through and through times everywhere Politeness doesn't get you anywhere. No. It it, 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 it can ingratiate good. you to people, but it doesn't get the kind of results that sometimes need to occur. No. No. Sometimes you need a little bit. Sometimes you need a rebellion. Um, so out of that, out of Stonewall, the Gay Liberation Front was made, and they were going to be somebody who was a little bit more in your face. Mm-hmm. They, they wanted to be out there. They wanted to be seen. It was a group that wasn't split and divided as much as they were into um, gays and lesbians. They were just one united front Mm -hmm. as the Gay Liberation Front, which strength in numbers is always going to be the way that you need to go in these situations. And they started meetings, started growing all throughout the country. They were getting all sorts of different um, chapters that were joining in and... A lot of the time back then, just because it was so long ago, leaflets that would be handed out on the street Mm -hmm. were kind of like today's internet to get the word out. Yeah. And in New York, they were printing thousands of leaflets a day just to hand out to all the different people on the street Mm -hmm. and to get get their numbers up, basically to let everybody know there was a safe place, there was a place that was fighting for them. And sadly enough, even then... I think there were still like 11 states as of 2003 that had anti-sodomy laws that the Supreme Court finally struck down. That's right. So it was literally up until 2003 that there were still sodomy laws on the books in these places. So as much as they spread out and as much as they tried, they still didn't quite have the numbers nationally that they wanted. But come a year after the riots, (coughs) excuse me, after Stonewall had happened, they decided that they just weren't going to let it go. They decided that they needed something to commemorate. They needed something to happen. 
So they got together and the Mattachine Society that was still somehow in existence, um, a lesbian lady came into the Mattachine Society at their meeting and pitched the idea of having a gay rights protest, like a march, and they put it up to a vote and she said that it was just a sea of hands. Mm -hmm. Everybody wanted it. Everybody wanted to go. Um, their only issue that they were concerned about was it wasn't going to be in Greenwich village. They were going to try to make it down to central park and cut across sixth Avenue down that way. Mm -hmm. Um, at the beginning of the March, it was just a few hundred people, but as people started to line the streets and see what was going on, by the time they had made it down to Central Park, there was security at Central Park, mm -hmm. and they ended up stopping the group. And Was this security at Central Park just normal security? It was mm -hmm. always at Central? Okay. They knew what, that okay. what was coming. Oh, it, so security had been placed there because of this? Yeah. Oh, okay. So... Kind of seems. Oh, if they were they worried? Oh, well, this is I guess one year after the riot. That makes sense. Yeah. So after most the of the group sorry, <coughs> shows up, the security steps in and says, "Hey, we can't let you guys in." They said, "We're here for this march. I know we don't have any of the tickets or any of the uh, permits that you would have. Yeah, to have permits to, to have because obviously they weren't handing out permits mm -hmm. to gay people back then." And the security goes, no, we literally can't have any more people in this section of the park. By the time they got there, or by the time they started, they had had hundreds of people. By the time they got to the park, they had thousands of people mm. that had shown up to march with them and celebrate with them. And this was basically the first pride parade that had happened in this country that's launched. <laughs> yeah, get that down. It launched pride all across the world to the point to where in 2018 was the first year that pride was celebrated on all seven continents. There was a group of gay scientists. Can you imagine like Brazilian gay pride? Oh, it would be crazy. It like, would be like carnival. That's what I'm saying. It's gay. Like think of how crazy carnival is. Think yeah. of gay carnival. <laughs> that would be nuts. <laughs> oh, that would be cool. It's uh, just, it's just carnival, but with like taller people. Taller people, better costumes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that would be sick. Um, yeah, like I say, 2018, finally, Antarctica got on board. They've we can probably give them a pass on being a little behind on the times down in Antarctica. I guess that's, that would be a brutal gay pride parade. <laughs> you would just have striped coats on. You mm -hmm. would have rainbow rainbow parkas on. Uh, there was a group of scientists that were down there that decided to celebrate too to make it a full thing. Good for which, them. That's awesome, man. To know that pride happens in all seven continents of the country every year from now on is just... You mean all seven a, continents of the world? Yeah, all seven continents. Not all countries. All countries is a different story, but continents... Yeah. That's going to be something that you can hang your hat on. What do you think? Do you think all 50 states in one way or another have uh, have gay pride parades? Uh, I think there are... Even in some of the really close-minded conservative states i think there are points of so like in texas austin is the yeah the the blue dot in the sea of red um that they definitely have a pride just because of the population too they're gonna have a, a larger gay community um probably not in dallas or anywhere like that but no but i'm saying austin. just each state so that could count as texas yeah uh new orleans of course uh alabama 
I'm sure there's a place in Alabama that's a large enough city that they have one. It's yeah. probably a college town. Yeah. Probably Tuscaloosa, somewhere like that. Alaska. It's cold, but they can they can do it. Alaska Pride Parade, you definitely wear more clothes. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the floats are more skis, more sleds. But I mean, out of out of this event, and I'm not saying it was this singular event that was the catalyst, but I don't was, think, man. I, well, that's what I'm saying is I I don't think you get where we are today, and man, we still got a you know ways to go and everything like that, but I don't think you get where we are today, at least in the. I, you don't want to say advancement, but like the acceptance and understanding and just normalization of just having a different lifestyle and fuck, like fuck off. If it's not something that affects you, like don't be concerned with what somebody else is doing. Well, and well, just you, because somebody wants to throw a parade because they're proud of how far they come doesn't mean that it's a direct affront to you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the documentary, when they would talk to people, they said that this wasn't a, a riot of the straight. This was a riot for their rights. Yes. This was an uprising. It wasn't against straight people. Mm-hmm. It was an uprising against to try oppression. To, yeah. Yeah. Which had been, you know, for how long since this country was in existence? Yeah. I, for a place that was founded on freedom, the amount of oppression that comes with the freedom is pretty shocking. It's, hey, it's as long as the majority get to experience freedom. It's not freedom for all. It's freedom for, you know, all the people that think they matter. Freedom for me, not for the... Yeah, no shit. But... So, I, I mean, I think that kind of covers it. I I was happy to do this episode. This month is kind of taking a change, I feel like, in the last, oh, probably three, four years. You see companies that are starting to latch on, that are starting to change their logos mm-hmm. for the month and putting the pride behind it hopefully i i want to believe in something so i want to believe that they're doing it for good intentions Mm -hmm. and that they're doing it to try to help you can use it can be both good intentions and it can be a smart business decision i mean it's not i don't so here's the thing i think that it happens because it's both of those yeah um but i i think if it's not and this is shitty to say i just think it's reality I think if it's not a good business decision, then companies don't do it. But it should always be a good business decision because, first of all, it doesn't affect your normal client base. No. Because, you know, a company for the month wants to put a rainbow design behind their logo or something like that or donate to a cause or bring awareness. I think that stuff's fucking great. That's just trying to better everybody. You know, what, what do they say? A rising tide lifts all ships? Yep. Just fucking pick everybody up. And if you are ignorant enough to drop a company that you use because they put up a rainbow (sighs) logo once a month or once a year, you're probably just a shitty enough person that you shouldn't have that. Uh, Those are the same people that are cutting the car heart logos off their jackets, but still wearing the actual jackets. And buying the actual jackets. Huh? And buying the actual jackets to cut them off. To cut the logo off. You're still supporting Carhartt Mm -hmm. by buying the jacket. It's... uh, a crazy world that we live in now. <laughs> so we could use this as the, the cold or whatever, but it was just something funny that I saw the other day. So you see a lot of people nowadays that are kind of hyped up and really against the anti-socialist movement, and they don't want socialism in this country. Mm-hmm. And they will post certain things against socialism on social media and then we run into a situation like we are now where the supply chain's running short, we're having some issues, and things are getting more expensive for people. 
And to see those same people post things just as tone deaf as something like, hey, I have a plan. If everybody in your neighborhood were to grow a garden and they were all to grow a certain vegetable, mm-hmm. then we could all go ahead and share those vegetables and we would have to cut or we would be able to cut down on the cost of groceries. It's like, wait a second. You just described socialism. Everybody's in, everybody's against socialism until they need socialism. Yeah. It, just until like, they need everyone's against socialism until you realize that the fucking fire department, the police department, the, the roads. Yeah. You're you're literally dealing with socialist structures every every day. Every time you get in your car. Yeah. Um and <laughs> it's it's a misunderstanding that people hear the word socialism and they have no idea what it means. They think it means that and what's crazy is the people that are against socialism, it seems like the most, are the people that would benefit from socialism yeah, the absolutely. most. Absolutely. The people that don't see that it it plays a role in your daily lives, like you say, just getting into a car. That fucking getting onto a bus, socialism. Mm-hmm. It just literally everything revolves around it. So to fight it just seems amazing. It, it doesn't really pertain to this other than to try to bring it back in. Like if if you're somebody that hates companies for supporting causes that you don't like, but then will also cheer a company on that supports a cause that you do like, Mm -hmm. you're just an asshole. Yeah. You you don't understand that, that thought at all of the wish wash of going back and forth. It just makes you look bad. I know. Well, I'm sorry to hear that these, uh, girls and gals and guys and dudes and the, the early transgenders that had to go through this stuff was... And what they've still had to fucking go through. And the fact that it's even still a conversation, man. Yeah, like, it, it ne- still goes It feels on like today. now more than ever with fucking the grooming shit and the, like, thinking teachers are like... Yeah, guess what you do? When your society changes, your education needs to change. Like, are we still fucking teaching kids that Pluto's a planet? No, we're not because Pluto's not a planet, which I have a fucking grievance with. <laughs> I'm not going to get into it right now. The simple fact is like you have to adapt as a society. And one of those things that makes people better suited to be a citizen is like having an understanding that like the world is not black and white, that there's fluidity to it. And I'm not saying that like everyone needs to be like gender fluid or sexually, you know, fluid or anything like that. What I'm saying is that live your life that's the best life for you and stop paying attention to what other people are doing and thinking it has some type something to do with you nobody's ever been gay because of somebody nobody's ever felt trans because of somebody these are all feelings that people have inside and uh, when you start to look at a situation where they say oh we don't need to talk about this in schools i bet you if there was a situation whether you're religious or not if they said hey we're going to start just not talking about anything religious in schools. And if you talk about it, you can be fired. You're going to take offense to that. You're, or we're you're not, we're not doing, issue. do they still do Pledge of Allegiance in schools? That I, I'm sure they probably do in most places, which I, they do it here. I'm uh, guessing. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, like that is in a certain way, bringing in both government and religion into that, that alone. And I'm not saying I have anything against the Pledge of Allegiance. What I'm saying is don't I be do. a fucking hypocrite. I, I no, have no. your Pluto feelings about the political okay. allegiance. But don't be a fucking hypocrite. It's not a buffet. You, you take it all or take none of it and go fuck yourself in the mountains and do whatever. Yeah. But if you hate society, don't live in it. No don't kidding. contribute to it. Yeah, if you have such a problem with it. But 
I hope out there, I hope that, uh, you know what? I would like to imagine that we have a few dudes and ladies out there that are open-minded and everything that like to listen to this, and uh, this one's for you guys. Gals. He's, she's, they's, them's. Everybody. This this podcast is for everybody. We're going to cover a lot of everybody, and it, it's not going to be typical histories. This isn't something you're ever going to find in a textbook. This isn't something you're ever going to be taught in school, but... It is a truly important movement that's happened in this country that needs to have the light shed on it. All right, man. You got anything else? I think we're good. All right. Well, until next time. Peace. All right, guys. Hey, thank you so much for making it through another episode and uh, sticking with us. If uh, you want to kind of follow up on the next upcoming episodes, get some teasers. Uh, Adam, can they get us on the Twitter? They can get us on the Twitter. Our Twitter handle is historically high. That's historically H I. Nice. And uh, on the Instagram, our Instagram is historically high pod. That's historically high P O D. And what happens if your social media inept? If you have any issues where you can't figure out social media, our email is historically high podcast at gmail.com. We set up a landline. <laughs> Just in case. Uh, you guys can go ahead and shoot us any question, comments, or even maybe suggestions for future episodes, something you guys want to hear. Yeah, high thoughts, questions, anything like that. We're always open. We'll always get back to you. Hell yeah, guys. See you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.